Hey, how's it going, everybody? Brett Selig here alongside the coach, Wes Pollock. Coming back at you for episode 24 of Touch Em All Sports Talk. How are we doing, Wes? Doing great, Brett. How are you? I am good. What have you been up to? This week? You know, just uh, working away. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, working away, enjoying the weather. I mean, it's been pretty good you know the rain's been somewhat limited i mean this week's been a better week in terms of weather and uh yeah like i said it's been just kind of chill so i've been chilling as they say as your generation says as as your generation says as your generation says i've been chill as opposed to i've been fire or terms such as that lit Lit. Lit. you haven't been a lit. lit experience I have not been lit this week. I've been more in a chill zone yes. more than a I think more people zone. are in the chill zone right now. Not as many lit people. Not as many no. lit people. We well, will talk about some lit, lit people that are being idiots a little bit later. Yeah. Now. When I get into lit zone, I get fire. You know what I'm saying? You get, <laughs> exactly. You get fire? You, you sound like a caveman. <laughs> I get Some, fire. Sometimes. Real. Sometimes you see me with a club in my hand. It's true. All right, anyway, first up, NBA draft lottery. Not going to go into detail with this, but I'm gonna, all I'm going to say is thank goodness. The Golden State Warriors did not get the top pick, but they still get the number two pick. So they only miss out on one player. They're going to be great next year. And now they get the second pick. All for... Only one bad year. It was a terrible year, but still. And then the Knicks, they got the – not first, not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth, not sixth, not seventh. The eighth – can't even fit all my fingers. Eighth pick in the draft. Wes, what are your thoughts on the New York Knicks and the Golden State Warriors? I mean, the Knicks getting the eighth pick – I mean, sorry, the eighth pick <laughs> – yeah. Uh, the, the curse continues of the ownership curse they're telling the guy sell the team sell the team so they can get rid of the curse uh, they couldn't duplicate the Rangers uh, luck in the hockey draft it would have been a double whammo if New York got the, both yeah, the Knicks yeah. two sports but did not happen and the curse continues for the Knicks so I expect them to once again be really bad next year Yeah, uh, the Warriors I mean the Warriors uh, number two picks pretty good I mean close to get the one with the core they still have there Getting a number two pick, they should might be able to bounce back this next year with a number two pick. I mean, it's a solid pick. So kudos to them to take one season off and then get right back into contention potentially. <laughs> Not their fault for they didn't take the season off. They just their roster was that bad, that bad. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. It, it, it just shows you how for, how valuable Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are. Riches to rags, and now will it be rags to riches? We'll see. We'll see. If that two pick can actually help bolster them again. Yeah. One thing I the stat of the day, in my opinion, for the Knicks. So they got so they get the eighth pick. They haven't moved up in the draft since nineteen eighty five, meaning they had the second worst record. They didn't get they didn't pick first. They had the fifth worst record. They didn't pick before pick number five. Since nineteen eighty five. And they've been in the lottery more often than not. They haven't moved up since 1985. They also had a higher chance of picking in the top three than eighth. 
And of course they, they're picking eighth and show must go on. All right. My magic. See, that's this 2009 Eastern conference champions. Probably not going to happen this year, but you got to break it out. So magic game one, dominate the bucks. What? Do not win. Not win by one. Not win on a last second shot by DJ Augustine, as we saw last year against the Raptors. They dominate game one against Bucks. Take game one. And game two. In the first quarter, first half, the Magic couldn't put the sun in the sky the way they were shooting. They could not hit the broadside of Barn. Bucks win this one going away. What are your thoughts? Tied 1-1. Milwaukee hasn't played really well in really either game. What are you thinking? Well, at least the, the Magic couldn't uh, hit the water if they fell in a boat. I'm just continuing on with all your analogies yes. and metaphors, bro. Yes. Brad, so I just wanted to clip my own. Absolutely. But, but anyways, I expect Milwaukee to win the series. The Magic did the same thing last year with the Raptors. They stole the first one, and then they got swept after that. I imagine the Bucks, although they haven't played great, um, will still have way too much talent not to win the series. Maybe the Magic grab another game. I mean, they played well, uh, at least in the first game. So I'm still going to say Bucks in no longer than six uh, in this game. I, and in this series, sorry, this series. Yeah, I, I still don't think the Magic can win. I said after game one, the only reason I think the Magic might win another game is because they dominated the Bucks and they were and they were very shorthanded. They were without Aaron Gordon, Michael Carter-Williams, some other players. Uh, William uh, Carter-Williams and Gordon very well may come back in this series. If that does happen, this could get a little interesting. If I'm the Magic, I have low expectations right now. I'm not championship or bust. That's what Milwaukee is. If I'm the Magic, I still feel pretty confident going forward. Like I said, I haven't played with Aaron Gordon. Even Evan Forney, one of your best players, hasn't played well in either game. Shot maybe 4 for 12, 4 for 13 yesterday. If they can get those two to play, Gordon obviously needs to play, first of all, and play well, this series could get interesting. The questions are, will they get Gordon back? Can Fournier play well? And can the rest of the team hold the fort? I mean, who's to say Evan Fournier comes back, drops 30, and then Vucevic only gets like 15. So, and from, from Milwaukee fans, it's like an episode of Everybody Hates Chris right now. Because Chris Middleton, I don't know what that dude is doing. I think he made one shot yesterday. This is Robin. This is Robin to Giannis. Giannis is Batman. And Chris Middleton's like, it's all you, man. Cato to the Green you. Hornet. Cato to the Green Hornet, right? But, I mean, Milwaukee's also showing their vulnerability in the playoffs. They, for some reason, have had an issue uh, playing up to their full potential come playoff time. And they show vulnerabilities, and we're seeing it again with the Magic early on. But like I said, I expect the Bucks to pull together and, yeah. and still win the yeah. series. They're not going to lose this series. But anything less than a potential NBA championship appearance or even victory would be a disappointment. Yes. Right? In the town of Laverne and Shirley, and the Fawns made popular in, in Milwaukee. Right. Sure, but they're going to win this series even if they tried to lose it with their talent, with their talent. But, man, this is already a team that, like you said, has struggled in recent years in the playoffs. They, they didn't really struggle in the first round in any of those playoffs. They're already struggling. Expectations, like you said, are a championship, at least an NBA Finals appearance. 
I still think Toronto's a team to be in the East as well. At least NBA yeah. Finals appearance. They need to get it in gear sooner than later because you can't win this series playing terribly and then just turn it on in the second round, third round, what have you. So yeah. we'll see. The Clippers, they came back against the Mavs in game one. They gave up a 48-18 to run and won the game in large part, and I hate to say this as an official, a whistleblower, I hate to say this, but the fact that Kristaps Porzingis got ejected, second technical being kind of iffy in the situation, he got ejected. That's probably why the Mavericks aren't up too well. Mavericks came back. Pretty much were in control in game two. Tied the series at one. Luke Doncic, fastest fastest player, scored 70 points in his first playoff run. What do you think here? Going seven? At least six. Yeah, potentially seven. I mean, Mavericks have potent, a potent offense. Kawhi, Kawhi and just not playing the same level as he played last year, carrying the Raptors right through the NBA championship. Um Clippers seem to be just not firing at all cylinders, and that makes them vulnerable for a Mavericks team that's upstart and up and coming. Mm-hmm. So I think at least six. At least six? That's fair. Because I mean, really, it should be, should be, not could be, should be Mavericks being up 2 well. So I think these two, I think as long as the Mavericks keep playing as well as they are, it should go at least six, just because the Mavericks yeah. are a talented team. They have two, right. two studs. Right. And the rest yes. of their – they have some depth as well. Um, I, it all comes down to the, how well the Clippers play, though. The Clippers are the better team when they're playing, you know, better or playing their best, and they really weren't making shots in game two. So, to make or miss league, they were missing them in game two. Blazers-Lakers, speaking of a team that was missing their shots in a make or miss league, the Blazers could not make a shot in game two, held fewer than 90 points for the first time in I, – I can't even remember – Lakers tied the series at one. Lakers, they couldn't make a shot in game one. So, I don't know what, what to think in this series. Again, Lakers are the better team. They've got the more talent. I mean, I know the Blazers um, were, were on fire towards the end of the season and got the big win to get them in the playoffs. Right. But, again, if the Lakers play their potential, they should win in six. If they don't, they're vulnerable for an upset too. I mean, it seems like there's a trend here that the more talented teams, the teams expected to win, um, seem to be showing some vulnerability or some, or not prepared uh, for, these, for the pace and the intensity level that these younger, not younger, these uh, lower ranked upstart teams seem to be trying to create. Mm. I don't know if it's just, like I said, a, a cockiness or, or whatever the reason I don't want to try to analyze it, but you're seeing a few of the more favored teams being taken by surprise by these lower-ranked teams and being pushed early on in series. And if they don't get their act together, talent alone won't win the series. Right. I think a lot of it, they're not necessarily surprised, although I think the Bucks were surprised. They expected to just coast against the Magic and were surprised. So I think there's some truth to that. I think it's just really – I think the bubble has a lot, has a lot to do with it. I, I hate to say it, but everything's neutral. Now, I think the bubble, it still works really well for the playoffs. It works – I mean, it really makes sense for the regular season. It's not that big of a difference. But once you get into playoff basketball, that's when you can kind of see, well, now, yeah, we're in a bubble. We're in a neutral site. But I think that's kind of a strength to whoever comes out of this. 
whoever wins this, there should be no asterisk whatsoever. It's not even a question. I've heard a lot of a lot of uh, players and coaches said this is going to be the toughest toughest um, season to win. I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. So the Rockets, your Houston Rockets, looking like a little uh, oh, without Russell Westbrook, they're up two well against the Thunder. Harden didn't do much in Game Two. They still played well without him. That looks great. Yes, not just shocking. for this series, but going forward, shocking. Yeah, shocking to a degree that the that the uh, the backups or the lesser known players right. Uh, right are stepping up in the absence of a Russell Westbrook and in the absence of a James Harden performance. And this is my protect the wallet series. And right now I am pleased with how the Rockets are conducting themselves in the protect the wallet series. Could it be, could it be two in a row for me? Could it be? It's a long way to go. And I don't know. I mean, it's a long way to go. Westbrook's injured. I mean, but I'm just, I'm pleasantly surprised that the Rockets are up two and oh without any kind of contribution from Westbrook and minimal contribution from James Harden. Yeah. Kudos to, the, kudos to the other guys. Kudos to the other guys for stepping up. You got to do yeah. that. Hey, to be a championship team, everyone's got to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so, not always the kudos. teams with the best player. It's the yeah. teams with the best players playing together. Yeah. So Rockets up 2-0. I had Thunder in 7. Did not think they'd be down 2-0, so not looking good from the Thunder. Raptors, they're up 2-0. Had a little bit of a scare in game two. Came down to the last shot. Or second to the last shot, I guess. Raptors up 2-0. They win game two, 104-99. to How are you feeling about the Raptors? Kind of where you th- think they'd be right now? Yeah, I didn't expect this series to go more than five games. Um, again, the Raptors played one of the best team games in the NBA with one of the best coaching systems in the NBA. Uh, the Nets aren't very good. But, Again, when I still consider myself, when I was again, I was proved to be wrong during the season that they lacked that outright assassin type score like a Kawhi, but they've managed to do really well just by balancing the lineup with a bunch of guys in double in double digit points, whether that you know from like anywhere from fifteen to twenty five points, and you know what I mean, and they get contributions for four or five guys who are, who are all doing that. Uh, Fred Van Fleet was amazing. Uh, and, one game and Norm Powell stepped up huge in the second game. And, uh, these, you know, these are guys that they, like I said, it's a balanced attack from the Raptors. And there's not one or two guys you can just key on because there's about five guys who can do damage, not 50, 50, 50 high point damage, not that type of damage, but 20 points, 20 points plus, you know what I mean? Uh, there's about four or five guys who can do that on that roster at any given time. And that's what makes them, I believe dangerous and different from many teams in the NBA who rely on one, two guys, you know, maybe three to light it up. Uh, the Raptors have about five guys who can do that, who can basically get you to 100 points. And to that point, so when you have that many players at any moment, it's hard to key on one player. And yeah. if, you, if you're all the Rockets, if you have a James Harden or Russell Westbrook, right now it's really just James Harden, although the rest of them are playing well. To your point, James Harden's having an off night. Those guys have to step up. Yeah. Because you don't have any other studs. If you have five, six guys, now three players aren't having a good game, then you, have, you still have three guys playing a great game. So yeah. kind of balance it. It's more likely and easier to balance itself out. That's why, that's why when we were talking about the Rockets, it's so surprising. 
because normally yes. it's hard and it's got to drop 50 just to get them to win by five. You know, right. so I, I think that's Absolutely. a good point. That's a good point. Coming up next, I'll talk to a local college baseball league president about the recently completed summer season in the middle of a pandemic. So stick around for that. And joining us on today's show is the president of the Florida League, Stefano Foggi. How you doing? Doing great, Brett. How are you doing? Pretty good getting by, getting by. That's <laughs> all, all we can do these days. So for the people that don't know, tell them a little about what the Florida League does. Yeah, so the, the Florida League is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit. We're a college summer baseball league that's partially funded by Major League Baseball. Uh, we basically exist for the benefit of our players and for the communities in which we operate. <clears throat> so we have college players that come play in our league each summer after their spring season. And, and these are the guys who are really serious about playing at the next level, hoping to uh, play against some, some top talent, quality competition, and gain exposure in front of pro scouts. Have you guys, how many player, former players have reached major leagues and all that? Oh, man, the number, uh, the now, now the number after this season uh, so far is up to 26 or 27 that have made it to the, to the big leagues. We've had over 450 drafted or signed in, uh, in our first, well, now 17 seasons. Okay. So, so for the people, so what was this season like and how did it compare to a normal season? <laughs> Nothing normal about this season. Uh, for sure. It, uh, you know, a lot of things were different. We, you know, up to a month before the season, we weren't even so sure if we were going to have the season. Um, even, even a couple weeks before the season, we weren't sure. Um, you know, when, when COVID hit in March, it was right before our spring break tournaments and shut everything down for that, which was a, a massive, you know, impact for us. That's our major spring, spring fundraising for the league. And, and, uh, so when that happened, we knew that revenue wasn't coming back. We had to find a way, if we were to have a season, to restructure and make it work financially. And so we had to look at everything was off, off uh, every norm was off the table. Um, you know, so cost-cutting measures. Um, we had to increase player fees, unfortunately, just to make up for the difference in order, order to make it even possible. Um, so, and then on top of that, we had to come up with plans to deal with COVID and there was nothing, there's no book written on how to operate during COVID, much less a pandemic. Um, so we had to do uh, a lot of research and uh, work with our partners in Major League Baseball and the health department and uh, athletic training and NCAA to see what they were doing and come up with a plan to deal with the season. So um, once that all happened, uh, we were able to restructure in a way, uh, we knew that there was going to be a demand. We knew that there were going to be college players that wanted to play because they lost their whole season. It's never happened before. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, this was going to be critical to their development. And, uh, you know, not being able to play would mean that they're taking almost a year off. I mean, if they could even have a fall season, that, that would be detrimental to a college baseball player's development. So, um, you know, we knew that there would be players who wanted to play. So we looked at it as if we can play, how can we accommodate more players? And uh, we put in a structure, we put a structure in place where our coaches could actually add to their rosters and recruit a second team. So we went from six teams to 10 teams, which uh, was a very different summer for us. We also had 
fewer fields than we've ever had available. We normally have six fields. We had four fields and more teams. So it was very interesting making that work. Was there ever a time with, you hear these different waves and waves of information. Was there ever a time where you, where you guys really thought about maybe it's, maybe we shouldn't have a season. There's just a lot going on. Oh yeah, for sure. We, uh, <laughs> our board had probably five meetings in the month of, uh, well, over the course, middle of May to end of June. And, um, it was very much up in the air, you know, weekly, it was very fluid. Um, it's still fluid. You know, you're seeing it right now with the colleges and, uh, you know, the NCAA and each individual conference. It's, uh, it's a lot to take in. There's a lot of, uh, there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, so that, that's what really made it difficult was trying to make a good decision with not the best information, uh, out there. So, um, yeah, we went back and forth. I mean, we very nearly canceled the season and then, um, you know, actually a big factor in us having the season was a, a player parent survey that we did just before the season and, and kind of gauge the level of comfort. Um, you know, if we should resume, if we did, would they continue to play or not? And that was overwhelmingly positive. And that really helped push us over the finish line to, to hey, let's do this. Our, our customers want to do it. So we're going to do it. What, what changes did you have to make to the league with everything going on? Uh, let's see, uh, scheduling wise was a big change. We typically play all our games at night in the evenings and, uh, we added 11 o'clock games that was necessary because of the field crunch. You know, as I mentioned, we had four fields, three primary fields, and then kind of a fourth, uh, auxiliary field that we used. Um, so 11 o'clock games were new. We'd never done that before. We knew it'd work out from a, a weather standpoint because we had done that we do that for our Futures League games, um, but without the Futures League games this year, we had that slot available at all the fields. So uh, that was new. We we added an extra hitter to the lineups, the teams. Uh, we expanded the rosters from 28 to 34, and when we did that, you know, we wanted to provide more opportunities for players. We knew that that was going to affect um, playing time. You know, having more guys on the team, there's going to be more guys who couldn't get into the lineup. So we wanted to add an extra hitter to get an extra guy into the lineup for each game. Um, so instead of a DH and an extra hitter, we just had two extra hitters, which allowed the teams to freely uh, make defensive substitutions, which, as you know, as a former scorekeeper, it was a headache for them. But uh, for the teams and the players, they loved it. It gave them the flexibility, uh, especially with the 11 o'clock games and the heat. If someone got overheated, they could sit out an inning, uh, cool down, and it really worked out well. The coaches liked that aspect of it. Um, you know, not having fans was a big change. So operationally, things were a lot different, actually a lot simpler, um, you know, Unfortunately, the games were not as, you know, exciting or fun off the field because you didn't have the fan, uh, the roars of the crowd when you hit a home run or, or things like that. We did have um, immediate family scouts and media in attendance, but it just wasn't the same as having a, a stadium full of fans rooting for the home team. So, um, you know, that's, that's some of the baseball-related changes. Of course, we had all sorts of COVID-related changes, masks and dugouts and hand sanitizer all over the place and some protocols with the baseballs and uh, social distancing and having players sit in the bullpen, not packing everybody into the dugout and using auxiliary seating. 
So there was a lot of stuff like that that was different as well, specifically related to COVID. Okay. What would you say was, was the biggest challenge this summer? Um, biggest challenge was just dealing with the effects of COVID. And, and I'm not talking so much of, uh, you know, we did have some positive cases and had to quarantine some players and, and groups of players on teams. And, and in fact, at the beginning of the season, we actually had to quarantine two teams. Um, but that, that, you know, we had a really good plan coming into the season to deal with that aspect of it. The most challenging part was the effects that that had on the league. So the scheduling, making sure, trying to maintain a somewhat balanced schedule, making sure that if games couldn't be played, that we were able to make those up. But, you know, the COVID effects on baseball, you know, these kids hadn't played in three months. So pitchers had not been throwing for the last three months. Some of them had, had been throwing on their own, but not game repetitions. So we had to build them back up. We had, they, they had a very progressive pitch count policy. They started at 30 pitches, went to 40, 60, 80 over the course of the summer, and that's as high as they went. So uh, it made um, the pitching turnover a lot more challenging to deal with. And then, of course, you had occasionally guys that had sore arms and or had to quarantine because of COVID. And so we had some some issues like that that affected the game and uh, player personnel. So that was that was more of the challenging part is just making sure that, uh, you know, teams were could sustain themselves throughout the season and not have to have players play out of position and things like that. So overall, all things considered, season just ended a couple of weeks ago. How would you say everything went, all things considered? All things considered, it, it was it was a really good season. It, you know, uh, we had to deal with those things, but we came out on top. You know, nobody, uh, everybody got their games in. All 10 teams finished the season. Uh, we were able to have a playoffs, albeit it was a, it was a little bit different um, <clears throat> this year than normal years. We had to shorten it because uh, one of the effects of COVID, again, kids had to report back sooner to college. They had to quarantine. We've never seen anything like that. So we had to actually shorten the week, the season by a week and, and condense the playoffs. We had to do a single elimination deal until we got to the championship series. And then we did a three game series. So I uh, had to kind of get through that at the last second there. But um, no, all things considered, it was really good. By far the best talent we've ever had in the league. You know, it was a really, really good talent level, of course. Um, being where we are in Florida, we knew that COVID was going to um, kind of regionalize any kind of summer ball. So players are going to stay closer to home. And we knew being where we were that there was going to be a significant amount of players um, from this area, from major schools that would want to play, uh, which is, you know, what turned out to happen. So it was really, really good baseball to watch. Um, there were some unexpected things that came out of all this. Uh, we, we now have a new... Uh, Flow Sports TV uh, deal where uh, it's basically a five-year deal where they will be carrying all of our games live for the next five years. So uh, that's going to turn into a brand new product video production internship program that we've never had before. Um, so really excited to build that and, and the level of exposure that that will now provide to our players nationally is huge. You know, we heard from coaches across the country that were watching players in our league. We actually had some recruited at a time when they were not allowed to travel due to uh, you know NCAA restrictions on on travel, so they were actually still able to recruit through our video broadcast, which was right. really, really cool to see. So it made uh, 
it made all of the hard work and preparation, especially for this summer, a little bit more uh, fulfilling because we were able to do this for the players. And, you know, unfortunately, some of them are going back to campuses right now with, you know, they, they're not going to be able to have a fall season. They, they can't work out as a team. And uh, had we not done this, where would they be? You know, they'd be facing a situation where they haven't played in 10 to 12 months going into next spring provided they can have a season next spring. So really happy that we, we were able to make this happen for them. All right. Great stuff, Foji. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the Florida League, Stefano Foji. Thank you, sir. So moving on after that interview, Major League Baseball, the Yankees, we talked about them. They're, getting, they're looking, is this 2019 New York Yankee baseball? I mean, it's amazing the injury factor. I mean, every year. I mean, I gotta be reevaluating my my staff, my trainers, my physical core, my core conditioning and strength <laughs> coaches, uh, therapists. I mean, I, the on-field product is fine. <laughs> the the on-field product is fine, but it's the behind-the-scenes product that I'm, I'm getting consistently concerned about. I mean, another again, uh, Torres goes down, uh, Paxton goes down. Uh, <laughs> At some point, it's going to be too much to overcome, and the Rays has to be. Rays just, Rays just, Rays just took them out. Like yep. you know, you know, now they, they have trouble beating the Rays at the best of times, but the Rays had no problem disposing of the Yankees the last few days. So there's a real issue, in my opinion, in New York, and I would definitely be wondering why this is happening on such a consistent basis year over year over year. Yeah, it's starting to get to the point where you kind of got to wonder that. Initially, it's like, yeah, it happens. And I will say, it's a lot of the same players. So maybe the Yankees just got all these guys that aren't durable. But still, to be this this consistently not in the lineup, it, it, it's very, very interesting. The IL needs to be start calling the, the ILL ill for the freaking – for the Yankees fans' stomachs with all these injuries. I got to say yeah. – Especially in a shortened season, it I think it's more likely to catch up to them because once you, they're going to make the playoffs, they're still going to make the playoffs. Yeah, but we'll guys, if they if they come back, I mean, a lot of these guys are scheduled to come back. They're not going to be in as good of a rhythm. And who's to say with the way the Yankees are, they're not going to have some of these guys. Maybe Stanton comes back right before the end of the season, and he gets hurt again. You know, we obviously we don't want that to happen. But before the season, we talked about this. Uh... Yeah, the injury factor could really you know, take away from a lot of prognostications and projections. And the Yankees were heavily favored with the acquisition of Garrett Cole to win their division and, and probably go to the World Series. That might be in jeopardy now if you can't field your best team. Um, that may not happen. And boy, that would be a real disappointment after spending that kind of money mm -hmm. uh, on what you thought was your, your, your guy to get you there. Yeah, when healthy, they're probably the best team in baseball. Problem is, they haven't been healthy. And a lot of times you don't take that and, and do you don't factor that in because a team has is usually healthy. Majority of the time, they're pretty much full roster. Not the case at all with the Yankees. It feels like majority of the time, they're not. So they're not 100% level. At 100%, they're the best team. At 85%, they're still really good. They're still a great team, but they're not as good, you know. A big difference it makes a big difference, yes. especially when you have the Tampa Bay Rays. Honestly, right now, the Rays are probably a little bit of a better team. They're at least very close. When the Yankees are healthy, they're up here. The Rays are right here. Big difference. Yeah. 
Fernando Tatis Jr. Grand Slam on a 3-0 count. Up seven in the eighth inning. What are you doing if you're Tatis Jr.? If you're the Rangers pitcher? If you're the Rangers manager? How are you feeling about getting lit up or getting lit with a grand slam up seven on a 3-0 count? Very showcase-type move by giving him the green light. Actually, I give green lights and showcases as, as a third-base coach because um, I want to, obviously want to see the kids swing the bat. But traditionalists, though, 3-0, and I tend not to give green lights in, in certain situations being a Red traditionalist. But, but, yeah, traditionally, but, you know, free swinging up 7 nothing. You know what I mean? Here it is right here. Meatball, meatball heaven. And boom, there it goes. Look at, I mean, it basically, because yeah, they're up seven, I think you basically swing in for the fences. And there was no red light because they're up by seven. So do what you want. Have some fun. Have what? some fun. I don't think that's as bad as, as – I don't think swinging three and oh up by seven is as bad as stealing bases, you know, up by seven, eight, nine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Stuff like, I think that's a more of a – you're more guilty of uh, least less sportsmanship. Then you are swinging at three and zero, and you know, having to hit a grand slam. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I I gotta say, playing baseball, it's the culture. You get used to like the unwritten rules. It's just the way it is. But then now that you like you step away from the game, you kind of realize that some of these rules are kind of they've just been rules for so long. But some of them are kind of right. like that's kind of dumb. Like I, I get why people who've never played baseball are like that makes no sense. And you're like, but what? Well, actually, you're right. It doesn't make sense. I got to say, you're up seven, so what? So, basically, what you're, yeah. what, what you're saying if you're the Rangers is we had no shot to come back, unlikely, but if we had no shot to come back, and that's why we're mad at you doing that. If I'm the Rangers, I respect that. I respect that you're still trying to score runs on us. It's Major League Baseball, not high school – Not. N- it's not high school baseball when you get one team with nine players and one team with 20 guys, 10 D1s, and it's 18 to nothing. It's it, That's not the same thing. No. Put it this and, way. Softball. You're up You're up 12 nothing, and it, in the third inning, you're like, oh, this is getting really bad. You're up. You're winning. Oh, this is getting really bad. Let's give up outs. But now it's obvious you're giving up outs. If I'm the other team, I feel worse than yeah, I, than I – than I would before. Right, because in softball, there's it happens where if you're up like say 12, 14, nothing, people step off and get called for being off, you know, for leaving early and you know in the inning, right? And there's a there's a rule, there's a general feeling that okay, you're doing that to be good sports, not to run up the score and further embarrass the team. But if you're the team on the on the losing end, you get you get upset because you're like basically feeling sorry for me. I yeah. want my girls to. I want my team to feel that pain of a twenty nothing loss. Of an eighteen nothing. I've been on both. I've been on both ends of it, mm-hmm. and I get it. And I, like I said, I, I early on, I think my in my coaching career, I used to step off for that. You know what I mean? But then as time has gone on, I've heard from coaches to say, no, don't do that. I want my team to feel the pain of being embarrassed. Yeah. Right. So that they appreciate the good times later on. So we don't step mm-hmm. off anymore. And let me let me refer back to something else that we were probably going to talk about later, but it's. A pivotal point here. Down seven nothing. 
the Blue Jays were just down seven nothing. Okay, after their first at bat, okay, came back and they won, and they won, and they won the done. They took both games with a doubleheader, down by seven after their first bat. So, so it's always possible to come back. Seven that run seems like an insurmountable lead, but you know what? Strange things happen, and the Blue Jays just proved that for the first time in their franchise history. Um, yeah. To do that, and they came back and won, and won both ends of a doubleheader. Well, by the way, the Padres have now set an MLB record for most consecutive games of the Grand Slam. If only he took that 3-0 pitch, we wouldn't have to talk about this, right? And they wouldn't have That's right. the MLB record for Grand Slams. I think it's the baseball gods saying, yeah, we're with Tatis Jr. You're going to set the MLB record for most games in a row of the Grand Slam. Crazy. Moving on. Ice, ice, baby, the lightning. They take the series over the Blue Jackets 4-1 with an overtime winner by Braden Point, his second out of the series. They win the series 4-1. Also, Islanders, they beat the Capitals. They knock out the Capitals. Avalanche also move on. They crushed the Coyotes, and we'll talk a little bit about the Coyotes a little bit later. Barf. And uh, let's see, who else advanced? The Boston Bruins beat the Carolina Hurricanes. And Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars advanced, as well as the Vegas Golden Knights. What do you think about NHL playoffs so far? Well, I mean, the Lightning got the revenge that they were looking for from last year's debacle. Yes, yes they did. The jacket again. The Jackets play that neutral zone trap like the Devils used to do back in the day when they won a couple of cups, and it's frustrating to play against. The Leafs couldn't figure it out, but the Lightning did. And uh, yeah, we'll hammer on the Leafs a little bit more, right? Um, but, you know, isn't Tortorella just a lovely guy to, to embrace in this post-game conference? If, if I'm a media guy, I yeah. if I get any good answer out of him, like, I was born for this. Did you see what yeah. he said after game five? I, I see, He says so little, but at times, you know. I, he did I, it, I, exactly. I, yeah, he he I, left I, after two I, questions. He two, yeah, he, the guy's a jerk. It's, it's getting old, right? I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad coach because he's always had some success, oh, yeah. hockey success, and he's figured out how to beat teams that are better than his team. But as far as a public relations guy is, that is promoting the game, he's a jerk. And, you know, the NHL really should have a word with him saying, hey, buddy, we know you're putting on a show here, right? But it's not doing us as a league any favors, right? So don't you don't have to be embracing, you know, the, the media, but certainly don't be turning them off because you're also turning fans off too. Yeah, you know? I get what you're saying. I, I, I still gotta say I, I think he should be be who he is and then and that's who he is. And he's been he's been in the league for a while. I I will yeah, say I, though I, I, I understand that. And like I said, you can still be who you are, but you can be a little bit more respectful, right? Yeah. You know, and a little more standoffish. The questions weren't outrageous that he was receiving. I can understand the media some of the media there are questions times, are, really, yeah. are really dumb and stupid and at the wrong time and that we have to take a big loss and the guy says the wrong thing. I get that. But they're pretty standard questions for the most yeah. part. And, you know, you could just give short answers. And it, yeah, it seems do, like, do your job. Do your job and, and it represent the league. Yeah, not only did he not really answer the questions, he's left. So he didn't answer the questions. After yeah. two questions, he stormed off. And it's kind of funny how NBC, NBC Sports Network showed the post-game interviews. So they showed one of the Lightning players. They showed the Lightning coach. And it was like a heartfelt and all that. And then you have his answer. I should have used it as a quote of the week. I was like, I'm not going to get into that heartfelt, like, BS crap. And then, boom, left. And, but that's okay. That answer is okay. Next question. Mm. You know, right. You know, that answer is fine. That's, that's what I'm saying. Be yourself. That's him. 
I'm not getting that heartfelt crap that, you know, touchy, touchy, feely stuff. That's him. So that's good. That's a good answer. Next. To leave. But, but leave. And, and look at taking questions after a game that you lose is very difficult to do for a player and a coach. Yeah. You know, my level, we lose a game, and I, a game that I think we should have won or a game that we didn't play as well as I think we should or had the effort. Yeah, I'm tough to talk to you too right after. You know I mean? As a coach, right? Should be. But, you know, but you're right. So I understand that. But again, in his role, the money gets paid. You have a little bit of obligation to be a little bit better representative of the league than what I think he has been. That's fair. And the Capitals, they lose yesterday four to nothing. They lose a series four to one. Pretty surprising. Not that they necessarily lost a series, but only win a game. Well, it was interesting. I, I was more interested in watching the post game handshakes and the handshake line. Barry Trotz, who's one of the most underrated coaches in yeah. the NHL. Wherever he goes, he, have, he finds a way to win. And, uh, you know, watching him with exchange uh, pleasantries with his former players, it was kind of nice because you know they have incredible amount of respect for him as a coach. Um, probably wish he was still the coach there. But wherever he's gone, he's found a way to get it done. And, uh, and I give him credit once again for, for, the, for taking out the Capitals, you know. Islanders, look again, post Tavares, you know, they, they lose their best, supposed best player. The most Leafs. talented. We'll say most talented. Yeah. The Leafs grab the most talented player thinking they're going to be in the Stanley Cup because of it. And now who's who's playing who's playing golf? The team game, man. The team who's game. Playing hockey and who's playing golf? Well, the Leafs are playing golf and the Islanders are playing hockey. And you just it just shows you that it takes more than one player, you know, to lead you to the promised land. So. Absolutely. So, quote of the week. I pride myself in thinking of myself as a man of faith, as is a drive into deep left field by Castellanos. It'll be a home run. It'll be a 4 nothing ball game. Tom Brenneman. Man. Got to be careful of those hot mics. Obviously, not the point here. Don't say derogatory, insulting remarks. No matter if you think there's a hot mic or not, but Fox has already suspended him, have not fired him. Doesn't sound like he's going to be with the Reds the rest of the season. He got suspended from uh, Fox as a whole, so he's not going to be doing NFL games, it looks like, for the indefinite future. It's interesting because I, I really like the guy as far as a broadcaster. I really I think he's a good broadcaster, really good, really good baseball broadcaster. He's solid football, definitely a better baseball guy. We'll see what Fox does because this is one of their top names. And it's not – I mean, it's in demand. It's in high demand. There's some good replacements, but none probably as good as him. So we'll see. What do you think? We have, we have seen good broadcasters, talented announcers still lose their job because we're in a politically sensitive society right now. Uh, what he said was, was – not a great thing to say, let alone, you know, let alone because it was on a hot mic. And in today's world, though, you typically don't get more than one shot, one chance at it. So I'm expecting him to be let go. I'll be surprised if he isn't. And then the apology was even worse. I mean, we, we make we all make yeah. mistakes. And if we're sincerely responsible for our mistakes and we apologize for them, okay, potentially you can evaluate whether we really believe that person was sincere about what they said was a mistake. He makes this half-hearted apology by, and, and then goes away by continuing to play by play of the home run, taking away from any type of sincerity about the apology. 
So to me, it was a double-edged sword for the guy. One, he said what he said in a world where it's not acceptable anymore to say things like that. And two, you go to apologize and then you veer off to finish the play, which means you really didn't give a hoot about what your apology really was and what it meant. So I'd be surprised if he kept his job at Fox. All I'm going to say is it doesn't matter if it's 2000, if it's 1900, shouldn't be saying what he said. Shouldn't be saying what he said. And he might be a great guy, but what he did was not great. And it, I understand it's it's very tough apology, but it should be in that situation. It should be. And I'm with you. The reason why this is the quote of the week is because it's just so cringy. And by the way, so people on social media were pointing out that the ball was hit to the uh, Planet Fitness No Judgment or dirt, Judgment Free Zone. And I'm just like, oh, man, this could not get worse. This cannot get any worse for this guy. Don't feel for him because you shouldn't have said that And no matter what year it is, no matter if we're sensitive, insensitive, whatever. Shouldn't have said that. Everyone, like I would say everyone deserves a second chance depending on what they did. But then you also got to have apology where people believe you. In this climate, I think it's less likely for people to believe your apology. I think that's just a fact. They're definitely not going to believe this guy when, yep, I am very Sir, home run! Now, he wasn't excited in the call. Thank goodness if he had done that. If he had got a, a foot, it, it, it might have been the greatest call ever in normal circumstances if he had done one of those numbers and not been, it's a home run, and the ball is gone. But what, is the ball really gone? Or no. does the ball represent me with Fox? More like I am the ball. The, I the am ball. Gone. Go ahead. Yeah, the ball's not gone. More like his career is gone, I would think. Gone! My career! Gone! My career! That's pretty good. Uh, but but seriously, again, well, we see it all the time. We see politicians who've done things many years ago. We've seen comedians do things many years ago. And, and people dig it up. But back in the day, it might have been still wrong. It was still wrong to say it. But it was a society that didn't tear you down, destroy your career for saying it, for doing it. Now we're in a society where it's still wrong, like it was 30, 40, 50 yeah. years ago, but now they do tear your career down. They do destroy your career for it, and there's no coming back typically unless you do make an apology that is very sincere and believable. So this guy had the opportunity to do that, and he still screwed that up too. So that's why I don't know if he'll be coming back from this. Yeah. So, so get your resume going, Brett, and send it to Fox. Yeah, I had a friend. I had a friend call me like, "Hey, it looks like uh, the Reds need a broadcaster." And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> "Gone." Winners of the week: Fernando Tatis Jr. We already talked about him with his grand salami, but he's had a few of these. He's had a few home runs this year. Leads the league in bombskis with 12, as well as RBIs with 29. The other winner of the week: Luka Doncic. We mentioned it earlier in the show. Fastest to score 70 points. Ever. Ever. Yeah, I mean, both, both players deserving of the player of the week. They both had phenomenal phenomenal weeks and phenomenal moments. So I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. Losers of the week. Tom Brenneman, we just talked about him. Obvious. We don't need to go into that. Oh, my career is gone. It's not coming back. on. Sorry. It's okay. Be Baseball, I know. <laughs> That's so true. Baseball's unwritten rules. People are really, people for outsiders especially, 
they're realizing, and I'm realizing this too, why baseball's having a tough time growing the game. When you have someone who is interested in baseball and they're on the fence, whether to like it or not, whether they're a fan, uh, a parent of maybe a kid that wants to play or someone who wants to play, and they see an unwritten rule that, like, wait, that makes no sense. Why would I play why would I play a sport that doesn't look fun? I'm not allowed to hit a home run? I'm not allowed to hit a grand slam? What? I've never hit a home run. So I've never hit a home run, so now I'm not even allowed to try to hit a home run, you know? So I can kind of see that. And then in-person learning, especially in North Carolina. North Carolina, we're going to go back to school. We're going to be in-person. Yes, we're going to do it three days later or about a week, whatever. Yeah, so about that. We're going to have football season, but we're going to need all y'all to go home. And we're going to do – we're going to do uh, – online 100% oh by the way your 20 grand is due today today yeah today nc state yeah we're we're gonna do it and a week later we have off-campus housing outbreak aka regrow probably what are you thinking are are we doomed are we gonna is someone gonna ruin this? not someone or people are gonna ruin this for sports let me let me tackle both those uh, both those things. First of all, with the on the fence, you know, unwritten rules, we gotta get more people watching when the when the first batter of the inning gets hit by a pitcher, and then the very next inning, you retaliate. You don't even hit the first batter, right? That's an unwritten rule. Mm-hmm. That's kind of exciting. It's kind of like fights in hockey, bench clearing rules. A little that'll fight get club. Now get people interested in watching baseball. So, yeah. like I said, swing away green light, kids. You're up big. You get you get you, you get you get one down the down the pipe, meatball central, go mm-hmm. rip it. That's what I tell my kids. Go rip it. Let's go. All right. We you know we 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 hack and we yak. That's what we do. We hack and we yak. That's what we do. That's the way we play the game. Uh, as far as the uh, college uh, go home, because we've had enough of you here at school because everyone's getting grown up. Obviously, some people got lit. Right, Brett. They got lit. They and did. Again. It, not the time to get lit. There's a time right. to be it's lit it. and a time to be unlit. It's, it's, it's basically, there's just not respect for what's going on. And that's why we're in the situation we are. Whether you believe it's serious, whether you don't believe it's that serious, the result is the country's at a standstill because there's no no one's following the rule to the, to the way the rule needs to be followed. And you're going to have parties, you're going to have drinking parties, you're going to have dance parties, you're going to have booze parties with no social distancing, with no masks. It's out there, and some people are affected by it. Some people aren't, but people aren't affected by it. can affect other people who are more vulnerable to it. You're never going to get what you want out of this situation right now until people start becoming more responsible about things, right? And the kids, they, you know, I I remember I was that age too. (laughs) You think nothing will hurt you. Nothing will take you down. Nothing, you're invincible, right? Nothing's going to take you down. Yep. Yeah. And for the most part, nothing does take you down unless you do something stupid. Yeah. And then you do something stupid, that will take you down. And then you learn the hard way. So if you want football back, if you want to go back to school, if you want to do all these things that everyone wants to do, there's smaller baby steps you've got to do in between to be able to do those bigger things. And until people figure that out, we're never going to get to those bigger things. So that's just my opinion. I'm sorry if that's a little political, but no, it's, fine. it's just – I'm frustrated by it because we should, like I said, I mean, it, this has gone so long now, and 
here you have a golden opportunity to go back to school, um, which is what you should be doing if you can, under proper safety precautions. Chance to have football, have to have some sports back. Just do the small things, guys, that allow you to enjoy the bigger things, right? And that's all. I get it. You're a college kid. You don't think it's going to hurt you, but that's not the point. If you get it, it might not hurt you, but now it hurts someone in your family. The, the risk-reward isn't in your favor, and I get it. You've been bored all summer, haven't been able yeah. to go out, haven't been able to go out to your bar. No one, neither is anybody else. Yeah. It, the risk-reward, you feel like, oh, it's definitely worth a risk. I haven't partied in so long. This is great. Short-term, in the moment, yeah, you're having a great time. But it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And and th this is why – this is what college football coaches were talking about. It's tough because the message the message that college football coaches were saying, a lot of people were turning it off because, like, oh, you're just saying that because it favors you. Yes, it does favor them, but it's also true. And that message is the safest place for these players is in their bubble, is is when they're playing, that's what, is when they're that's with why, the teams. Yeah. You know, because that's why the bubble, Yeah, that's why the bubble's working. Mm -hmm. In college, that's why it's going to be so difficult. That's why I get why the Big Ten and Pac-12 canceled. Maybe it was premature, maybe it wasn't, but I, I can't fault them for thinking that. that These are going to be the only two schools that start out in person, or at least 50% in person or whatnot, and go, and go to hybrid, which actually means not in person at all. You know, th these aren't going to be the only two schools, and that's what people worry about. Let's say I'm, I'm an athlete. I want to go to a frat party or whatever. I, I really probably shouldn't do that because these guys aren't getting tested. I know they're not because even if they think they have COVID, they're probably not even getting tested because they're like, oh, no worries. At least if, if I'm with my team or I'm playing another team, even if I don't know them, I know this guy got tested within 48 hours ago and he tested negative. I would feel a lot more comfortable doing that even though I'm sweaty and like, you know, we're in a dog pile, whatever. I feel a lot safer doing that than, you know, sitting in the classroom next to Brad and Chad. Great. So real quick, teams of the week slash a week, W-E-A-K, I can spell. MLB, it's a pretty easy one. Rays, they've won five in a row. They are in first place in the AL East, not the Yankees. They just swept the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yep, I have no problem. Rays, like I said, they hang on every year. They competitive every year, and they play a team they like the Raptors of basketball. Yeah, the race. No superstar, but a collective bunch of players who all buy into one system, and uh, all know the role, and they play it to their role. Yep. Tigers. They've lost nine in a row, which in a normal season, if you're wondering, would equal losing twenty four in a row. Really, Brett? Yes, I did the math. Did the math. They're going the same way as the leaf blower behind me. Tigers going the same way as Leaf Blower behind me. They suck. They suck. It's just, like just like the leaves are being sucked right now behind me. Yes. yes. So, so would it be a Leaf Blower? Well, that's the Leafs in hockey. They're, they're Leaf Blowers in hockey. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, we had whistleblowers earlier. Now we got Leaf Blowers, Leaf Suckers. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. NBA. The Heat, they're up 2-0. Could have gone Rockets here. We already talked about the uh, them earlier. But Heat, they're up 2-0 in a – Series that pretty much everyone thought is going was going seven, maybe that's changed a few people's opinions. But Miami Heat could be a factor. Get through Indiana; they've looked good up two zero. 
and then a team that's not looked good, then this is – it's a shame because they are talented. They've been talented, and they just keep coming up short. Last year it was the Kawhi shot. Yeah. Dude, heard around, heard dude, around the world. Dude, dude, you're out. And this, this West is hundreds going. Yeah. This year, they might not win a game in the playoffs. The Philadelphia 76ers, also known as Joel Embiid and company, primarily Joel Embiid, got boat raced by the Boston Celtics. Like, this is a talented team. They just do not have it. And in the bubble. Hockey. Rocky would not be proud right now. I will say one thing about the bubble. If you are behind it big in a game or a series, it's going to be way tougher to face that adversity, get that energy, refocus, and come back in a series or a game in the bubble because you don't have that crowd to work either again, uh, to work for you. If you're on the road, you can take the, the negativity from the crowd to fuel you. And if you're at home, obviously, you can get that home energy going. So I think it's a lot tougher in the bubble. But 76ers, not looking good. NHL, the Islanders, Barry Trotz. How do you say his last name? Trotz. 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 In the NHL. Oh, wait. So in the NHL, the team of the week, the Islanders, Barry Trotz, knocks out the Capitals, his former team, Four to one. This guy's been hopping all over the place. Been successful everywhere, but everywhere he goes, it's super high expectations. Doesn't quite reach them, so he gets fired, and then he goes to the Islanders and takes out his former team. Funny how that works out. Talked about a little bit earlier, but Trotz, like I said, he's he wins where he goes, but he just doesn't quite get over the top, which probably costs him because he sets his own expectations up year over year, and yeah. that doesn't like quite doesn't quite seem to be able to hit them. You know, and then they, I think they is he wears out as well. But in the NHL, it's it's tough to have longevity in one spot. Yeah. And finally, the team of the week. I I don't know if we've ever talked about this team on the show, and for good reason. But we're going to talk about them now. The Coyotes somehow didn't get swept in this series. I don't know how they didn't get swept. They lose the series to the Avalanche 4-1. Not that surprising, but they lost the last two games in the bubble. They did not want to be in the bubble. They lost the last two games 7-1. to one. Yeah. Ew. I think they thought it was the best of like three. They just they just gave up after three games. Seven. But I mean, yeah, I mean, and, look at, and again, here's a, here's a little Leaf connection. Nazim Kadri traded last year from the Leafs to the Avalanche for Tyson Berry. Everyone thought, what a great trade. Kadri uh, got suspended the last two years in the Boston playoff series. Wore out his welcome in Toronto. He was, he was, a, look at, he was talented. He scored thirty plus goals. Only Leaf willing to take the body and stand up for his teammates and get the play old time, old fashioned type playoff hockey. I didn't want to see him go. I know it was undisciplined what he did, taking those match penalties and getting suspended and probably hurting the Leaf chances of winning. But all you need is to, to, to reel him in. He was a good player. Would have been really helped the Leafs. And against the Jackets, that's the kind of player they needed to maybe win that series. It goes for Tyson Berry, who's been a, was a respectable, good NHL defenseman, um, supposed to do great things for the Leafs, and just sort of didn't ever really hit a stride. And so it became a lopsided trade. And Kadri with the Avalanche now is leading them to another series victory. And you know what? The Coyotes, 
like I said, they, they threw they threw the towel in after three or four games. Yeah. All right. That's all I've got. Got anything to add? Got any home run calls that are impromptu? Other than that ball is gone, and I'm sorry that my career is gone with it. And neither are coming back. That's it. All right. Oh, baby, what a drive. Oh, baby, what a drive. Oh, my, baby, oh, my. My, my, my yeah, okay. Oh, oh, baby, my career is just not coming back. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. See ya.